Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. This is your official Leguizamarama spoiler warning. If you have not seen episode eight of The Power... Uh, but you have seen episodes one through seven, or you're intending on watching episodes one through eight of The Power, uh, this is your spoiler warning. We will be spoiling it, but I'll tell you, we're probably going to talk about other shit for a good half hour before we do. So um, you can listen to that but and then listen to the ad and then switch off after that. This is your official <laughs> spoiler warning. Peace. I hate the word. Adam. Adam. Hello everyone and welcome back to Mission Sacks Leguizama Rama. This is a podcast where each week myself and Zachary Thomas Ruane get together and chat mostly about food, our lives, our emotional uh, feelings about certain things, mm-hmm. what we've been up to, mm-hmm. my dog. Yeah. Um, and occasionally about John Leguizamo, uh, who is our favorite actor of all time, even after 140 something episodes of this fucking podcast. Mm. Um, we really love him. Uh, my name is Mish Wittrup. Mm. Uh, you might know me from it's episode eight. When I was eight years old, I moved from Tassie to Melbourne, from okay. Tasmania to Melbourne, Australia. Um, when I was eight. Uh, I also wore a lot of Esprit um, uh, and a lot of it. Keep shr- talking. I've got to Google what grade I was in when I was eight. That's fine. Uh, probably three. Is that what it was? I think so. That's what grade I was in when I moved. Um, yeah, I wore a lot of Esprit. Um, I don't know why, but my jeans shrunk in the wash. They sat just above my ankles. Uh, they had little beads that hung from the, the hem of my jeans. But my mum wouldn't buy me new jeans after they shrunk because uh, – she refused, so I walked around in jeans that had shrunk slightly in the wash for a very long time. <laughs> I've never shared that story with anyone. And I wasn't the... even listening because I was looking up what age I was hey, in grade three. you know what, Zach? It's okay that you weren't listening because it was probably the shittest story I've ever told and we lost so many listeners just then. No, we didn't. You don't reckon? If they're with us, they're with us. Oh, I love that. I love our fans. <laughs> love you guys. We love you. Love um, yous. Anyway, I'm joined as always by my friend who is always listening to my stories. Well, I just had to look up eight because eight's such a specific age and I don't remember anything. It's all mush. Yeah, a bit mushy. I, it went mushy in year seven. I remember saying to my friend William in year seven, I said, I don't remember anything mm. of primary school. Really? Like after six months. I don't remember stuff that happened in my 20s or early 30s, but I remember a lot that happened in my teens. Mm. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. Um, anyway, what will people know you from? When I was eight, I was in grade three, and we, we, did, uh, we did grade three in the portables. And it was a good year. I think I tried to learn cursive writing. <gasps> yep. Uh, and I was never very good at it. And I didn't care for it either. I remember being like, do I have to? 
Mm. You know? I get that. And I gave it up. I, I did cursive writing. I got my, like, did you get a, no, you got a pen license. Yeah, when you were allowed to no longer use grey lead pencils. Uh, but I think there was like a cursive writing sort of mm-hmm. um, uh, graduate. Like, How'd you do? Uh, I, I, I was late to the cursive writing game mm. and early to get off it. Once I realised um, quite early on in high school that I didn't, that it wasn't compulsory. I think I was, yeah, I wrote cursively for as the minimum amount of time that I had yeah, to. Yeah, I, I get that. Do you know what I was really late to the game in? What? Tying my shoes. Me too. I still do ah! funny years. Yeah, I think I have to think about it really. Like, but I was so basically. I remember when we were in like grade one or two, uh-huh. we had this like round robin style things that we had to do, which was like telling the time, and then you'd move from telling the time over to tying your shoelaces, yeah. and then you'd move from that over to you know fucking some sort of writing activity some bullshit, or whatever. Yeah. I used to always skip. The tying shoelaces part, yeah, wow. which was shoe boxes that they'd made, and they'd put holes in the shoe boxes and put a shoelace in it, oh, so you could practice. And I was so bad at it, yeah. and I don't actually think it was well into my late teens when I could start tying my shoelaces where they weren't like they didn't look real dodgy. I was really bad at tying shoelaces. How do you do it? Are you still bunny ears? No, just one. I can do it with one loop. Oh, I'm bunny ears still. Yeah, I just I. I kind of got the cheat code. I was struggling a lot. And because the idea is like you can do bunny ears, but here's the proper way. Yeah. And then in the end it was just like you can do bunny ears. That's how bad I was at it. Oh, there you go. So you can do bunny ears and you don't have to do cursive. There you go. That's the trick with life sometimes. Yeah. Bunny ears serves me well. Apparently the way you do it is a better knot though. And I wear a lot of boots. I probably could afford to learn how to tie shoelaces that way. Yeah. But do you find that your shoelaces come undone a lot? Sometimes, yeah. Mine do. And yeah. I think that's because I'm not quite right. I don't do it quite right. But to be honest with you, no one's monitored it for a long time. For a really long time. So I might be doing it in a fucked way. I might be a real fuck cunt still when it comes yeah. to tying shoelaces. Another memory from grade three I have is me and Daniel. Can't remember his last name. Daniel McKenna. We learned uh, back streets back. Yep. We learned the words to back streets back one recess and lunch. And I think I was a bit of a pain. Because okay. I'm not good at working in groups, still not. <laughs> Funny, I've made a career of it. <laughs> um, and then I, uh, and then I don't think we ended up performing it. But you know, we had a crack. You don't think that you're good at working in groups? I mean, I clearly, demonstrably, I get results. Yeah. <laughs> but it doesn't come easily to me. I, I think I, I work best in groups. Here's what it is. I. And better working in a group than working alone, if that's what we're talking yeah. about. Yeah. But what but you're saying when is when I work in a working. group, <laughs> when I work in a group, I can be. Yeah. You know. Do you know what? Um, this I've just then made the hilarious joke that you're actually just not good at working. But there I think about there. it. There are people who are like, mate, if I was given like fifty million dollars, um, I would still continue working because oh, I would yeah, just yeah. yeah. F- I wouldn't. Yeah. I would have no problem never working again. I, now, that being said, I think I would always make theatre. I would always kind of have a laugh. I'd probably keep do- – I honestly would probably keep doing this podcast, but it wouldn't be work. Like, because I don't really – like, it's it's fun. I enjoy it. Yeah. But when it comes to actual working – Yeah. Fuck no. Yeah. Are you kidding? If I yeah. got $50 million, people are like, no, I'd still keep my job because it keeps me regular – you know, I love the routine and it, it makes it like, no, I wouldn't. And they're like, no, but I just wouldn't want to feel like superior. I would. Yeah. If I had $50 million, 
I would never work a day again in my life. I would only ever do things I enjoy. I would do a lot of hobbies. So many hobbies. My life would be hobbies. Yeah. I'd do heaps of hobbies. But no, no, I'm not. I'm not. I mean, I, I remember I used to think, oh, God, if I, if I, I think I've said this before, I was used to be like, if I ever make it, um, I'm going to keep working at the cinema. Like one shift a month, I'll get free tickets. It'll be kind of this funny, quirky thing mm. I do. And um, that just as soon as, mm. before I could afford it, I was yeah. out. I was done. Oh, no. 100%. But now I do one shift a month at a cinema. Yeah, you do sort of, but as a performer. With the screenings. Yeah, but I'll hang, I'll, I'll talk at the, I'll, t- I'll hang out at the candy bar and go, go, oh, you got to clean that popcorn machine? And they're like, yeah. Yeah, you're a cinema boy. Do you reckon you would own a cinema? Uh, yes. Yeah, see, I feel like that would, if you had $50 million, you would oh, buy a cinema. Like that. Yeah. yeah. If I had the money, if I had the money, I would own a cinema, I would live above it, I would hire someone to run it and it would be a repertory house. It would be like... <sighs> It would be like this old cinema. You would live above the cinema. I think so. Or but I'd at least have an people? apartment above it. Yeah, but like I was about to say, like during the night and day and stuff, you've just got people in and out of your house. No, but I'd live above it. Yeah, but you'd hear all that. But I'd watch the movies. All day, every day. I'd pop in. Maybe I'd even have a window from my apartment to the cinema. A glass floor. <laughs> like a glass. <laughs> it's very... Uh... People could just look up. No, it'd up be your two pants. Ways. Up my pants. <laughs> while, oh. they, while they watch Gone with the Wind. <laughs> oh. Look up your pants. Um, no, I think it'd be cool. I think I'd live above it and then I'd just like go down and watch the movies. The same way the Mona guy lives in an apartment in Mona. Yeah, I know. And then I used to think that was really humble until I realised that when everything closes, he lives in Mona. Yeah, I know. He just, he's, he's got this giant underground mm-hmm. mansion filled with art. Whenever Incredible. at closing time, but that's what I would do. I think I would, if I had a million dollars, I would have a repertory cinema, a billion dollars. Yeah, I was about to say a million dollars isn't going to get you all. If of I this. had a million dollars, I'd have a two bedroom apartment. <laughs> I'd, bu- I'd buy gold class. <laughs> <laughs> I'd buy if gold I, class at least once a year. <laughs> if I had fifty million dollars, I would definitely own a cinema. Could I work there? Uh, if you wanted, it would. I would really leave that up to the person I hired. I would hire someone to just run it. I'd, I have friends from the movie biz, and I'd say, "Hey, can I? If I had this kind of money, I'd say, can I give you X amount of money to run the cinema? And then, and then the only thing I would do is from time to time just be like, "Can I request a few movies? Yeah. Can you in in your calendar yeah. of films? Can you put these films on?" I always, I, really like. I always thought that if I had $50 million or like if I was a fucking billionaire, yeah. I'd own a theatre, like a really nice one, like Red Stitch in mm. Melbourne. I think that that, like whoever owns Red Stitch, I don't know who does, but like it's such a lovely little theatre. I would pump real good shit through there as well. But I don't know if that's my dream anymore. You know what I mean? Yeah, hunch. Hunch? A little cinema would be cute though, wouldn't it? Oh, God. And it wouldn't be huge. It would just be like a, like it would be medium sized. Yeah, yeah. Be so nice. That's your life. I could see you doing that. And I'd just pop in. You're a cinema boy. I would have a seat reserved for me. With your name on it, a little plaque? Yeah, no, that's A throne at the front? (laughs) At the front to the left? (laughs) Just a throne with your face on it? That'd be like, or like I could do up the side. I could do like, Mm. but wouldn't that be cool? Like a little cinema. Oh, yeah. I would love that for you. Yeah. I I, I would love that for you. But that's a lot of money. It's so much money, but also fifty million. Yeah, it's. I, I would only it's, do it if I could afford the person to run it, mm-hmm. 
and I could afford to lose close to the amount it costs. Yeah, because sadly enough, $50 million is a lot of money. But, like, also, it's not a billion. You know what I'm saying? Like, 50 million, you could lose 50 million. I yes, mean, that's what I mean. Like, Johnny yeah. Depp lost more than that. Yeah, I know. Like, you could lose a lot of money. Like, you could, if you, but 50 million, you could also not. Yes. You could also have a cinema, have it run, play your favorite movies every night, run it at hardcore loss. Mm. Um, and and then never have to work a day in your life. Yeah. You just have to not spend $30,000 a month on wine. Yeah, well, that's exactly right. That's all you've got to do. Yeah. It's like Johnny Depp losing that amount of money. It's like, yeah, but where? Like $30,000 a month on yeah, wine. Yeah, on wine. Um, but that's what I would do. Deaths have a cinema. I, I With $50 million, I, I couldn't even fathom. Pay all my bills. <laughs> <laughs> that's currently where my stress is. I had to pay all my bills. I would buy a house in cash. Mm. If I just got given $50 million, I would have a house in cash mm. and then never have to worry it's about It's just that. the, for me, genuinely. This is I'm, a silly conversation. It's dark. It makes you think sad thoughts about not having $50 million. No, I'm realistic. Like I, I can play, I genuinely can play these games yeah. and not stress. I try and play with my partner all the time. Like I'm always just like, what would you do if we had blah, blah, blah? Or where would we travel if we had blah, blah, blah? And we had yeah. to spend it all in a month. Where would you travel with a million dollars yeah. kind of deal, right? And he's always just like, I hate this game because we can't do it and we end up getting sad. I can play those games. Oh, man, I'm the, I'm, I'm the king of uh, nolimitrealestate.com.au. Oh, my God. I've, I have recently yeah. been going on realestate.com.au oh, so much and looking at, like, what's a house I could realistically, like, maybe in five years afford, which is no house. I don't think I'll ever mm. buy. But, like, uh, if I had X amount of dollars, where would I live and what would it look like? I love it. And then I can sh- I can turn off my computer and happily live in poverty. <laughs> There's nothing better than um, contact, not in agent, poverty. <laughs> contact agent penthouses, just, like, where the cost oh. is contact agent. Yeah. And you're just like, yes. No, the best is, like, going um, – my partner and I – I don't know, it was a while. I'd love to hear from anyone who lives in this area, to be honest with you. But my partner and I, uh, whenever I have a weekend off and I'm not working, um, we often go for big drives with Stanley, love my dog. Love a big dog. drive, yeah. And we ended up in the Macedon Ranges. Ah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, I what a fucking phenomenally beautiful area of the world. Like, that's where... That is what the world looks like with lots of lots of money and upkeep when you keep natural beauty. It's right? any place that is bush but also has metro trains. Yeah. Whoa, yum. Oh, it's so it's bush but they, they can afford for someone to maintain it. Bush but you can commute. Yes. Oh. Anyway, we ended up in the Macedon Range. I've never been there before, yeah. right? And would and I was just like, "Oh my god." Like some of the properties are so big that you can't who lives there? Like how yeah. can anyone live in a place that big? Anyway, I often go on realestate.com.au and check out Macedon Ranges housing because I just – it's too big. I couldn't live there. Like I don't have a sprawling family or like, you know, need for that kind of land, but it's just the most phenomenal and it's always contact agent. (laughs) It's always contact agent. Um, But they're just these most – these beautiful – it's money with taste. Oh, Yeah. (laughs) I often think, like, if I had all the money in the world, 
what kind of house would I have? How big would I go? Mm. And it's a really funny game to play because I always go, oh, I wouldn't need that much. And then when I start listing, mm. if I had all the money in the world, what rooms I would have in my house, mm. I do get to a silly place. Yeah. I do get to like... I feel like we had this conversation with Alice Tovey. Yeah, I think we In did. our violent night about we what we would have different rooms for. And you said you would have a live-in, uh, someone who made you clothes. No, that was you. Oh, was that me? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Fuck yeah. I would have that. <laughs> I would definitely have that. And I was just like, I'd be perfectly happy to have for them to have a shop somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> they wouldn't have to do it at my house. Oh, no. I would love that. That'd be fucking sick. Ah, uh, that's funny. Yeah, it is. That is funny. We have talked about that. I think mostly what I would want is land rather than like size of property. I wouldn't mind a little bit. I just, I like a yard. But with a groundskeeper. Yeah, oh, 100%. I bet you ain't got a green thumb. <laughs> Are you kidding? <laughs> I, I'm struggling. We have, um, where we currently live, we have a little backyard, which is just grass, right? Yeah, yeah. And it, every time the grass starts to grow, I have like a full-blown panic attack. Yeah. I'm like, I don't know how to manage this. Yeah. I've never, I've never, there, there's a big, big hole in my knowledge. I cannot maintain a yard. Well, like, I, I, I don't up. know. I had, I do not have a green thumb. My mum does. My mum has this incredible yard, mm. but I just never learnt. I never learnt how to manage a garden. So I, I, it just makes me panic. I, uh, I grew up in the bush. Mm. I, I'm a bush boy. Yeah. So I grew up on like on an acre of land, and um, which sounds like a like that's when you say I grew up on an acre. It's like it's so strange now that I live in the city because mm. it's like an acre is so big. Yeah, it's huge. And I would I would love just a little courtyard. <laughs> <laughs> oh, for a courtyard! Wouldn't that My be kingdom for a courtyard. Um, and and but I remember it was like every Saturday my parents were out there like mm-hmm. chopping wood or mowing or yep doing uh, chopping wood. <laughs> <laughs> And that's the biggest thing for me is like a lot of people dream, a lot of people that have never lived, they dream of having like property and it's like, oh, but it's work. Yeah. Like, I don't think I would enjoy that. I'm currently living in a house, right? Mm. So it's, I've, I've lived in apartments or small houses mm. for pretty much all of my adult life and cleaning a two story house well, you're in a townhouse. A yeah. townhouse should be very clear. Yeah, I'm just, I, I think you're painting an image of like... <laughs> no, 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 I don't. Like, I you live don't in a live townhouse. You live in a two-storey house. No, no, no. You're I sharing in... walls with people Yes, still. we share walls. Let's be very clear. <laughs> but it's the biggest place yes. I've lived yeah, yeah, for yeah. a long time. And just cleaning it is just such a fucking chore. Yeah. Like Walking I, up them stairs. Oh, them stairs. You know, <laughs> um, here's a, here's a mish, is a shit adult story for you. Yeah. Just to, let's humanise me, shall we? So, um, my bedroom is upstairs. Yeah, nice. Um, downstairs is the lounge room, the kitchen, the laundry. Oh, right? how's that? I live in an upside down townhouse. My, mm. my, all my stuff. And I always have, all my stuff has always been upstairs. Yeah, well, I mine's the other way, right? And the laundry's downstairs. We don't have a dryer, so we have uh, clothes horses that we put our wet clothes on, right? Oh, yeah. See, I'm just like everyone else. Except your clothes horse is a real horse. Yeah. yeah, off you go. Don't come back until my clothes are dry. And just runs around our small courtyard <laughs> drying our clothes. Um, no, and 
I will, rather than often, this is more often than I would like to admit, rather than fold my clothes, take them upstairs and put them away, I often come home from work, take off my uniform, hang it on the dining room chair, so I'm just naked in my dining room, and just change into clothes that are from my clothes horse. During comedy festival... I did all of my clothes were downstairs piled on my dining room table or on the clothes horse because I did all I'd come home and I'm like the last thing I want to do is trudge upstairs right now and I would just get changed in my shared kitchen and dining area just butt naked getting dressed legit right legitimately I think if I ever had the money to design my own house a huge part of it would be figuring out how to cut out one of the steps of laundry. Okay. Like, could you have the laundry back onto, like, this is, you got the money. I mean, you got the money, you can hire someone to do it for you, but um, could you like back the laundry onto your wardrobe Mm. and have like a little drying room Mm. where you hang all the things in your drying room and then when it's done, just like slide it into your wardrobe? Could you do something like that? Because I I think that that final step, I don't think I've ever achieved it. Mm. I don't think I've ever gotten my laundry. I've washed it. I've dried it. Mm. I've gotten that dry laundry sometimes into a basket. Yeah. But I have never gotten that basket of clothes back into the wardrobe. Yeah. It's, I, it's, it's too a, many steps and it's like a day and a half later. But also it takes ages. Like I always. And why? For what? To take it back down, put it on? Well, yeah, that's exactly right. Why can't you just hang? I think what you, I think you're close, man. You're closer <laughs> to the answer. <laughs> have the place you hang it. Be where you go to get clothes. Yeah, but there is something really strange about getting naked in your kitchen and or dining room. Please realise that what I'm saying is is a reconceptualisation of laundry. I'm saying you're closer. Mm. I'm not approving of your naked in the the kitchen. Yeah. I actually, I don't care. I'm a naked boy. Why not? It's your house. Sometimes. I would if I would if I could. But see, I'm a naked person in my house, yeah. right? But I don't go into my kitchen naked. Yeah, because I you, wouldn't make your a willy sand- might burn off. Yeah, but I wouldn't. Well, or my titty. Like I yeah. wouldn't. I wouldn't make a sandwich naked. I think if I was naked in my bedroom and I went, I feel like a sandwich. I would put on a big t-shirt I to go to downstairs. Th- Even if I'm home alone and no one's going to bother me, I would still put on a big t-shirt to go downstairs and make a sang- sandwich. I watched a. Um... What was it? It was a documentary about nudist once, nudists. Mm. And um, there was this guy that did woodwork in the nude. And I was just like, like. Splinters. What, like, like, um, yeah. like big, big chopping things. And mm. more than splinters, just like huge electric <laughs> tools. But splinters, owie. <laughs> yeah, true, splinters. But it's just that thing of like, I'm all for nudists. I, I think that's right on up until the point where like some clothes, clothes that were made for puritanical reasons, mm-hmm. yeah, fuck them off. Clothes that were made for, um, you know, like to cover up our bodies, fuck them off. Mm. But clothes that were made to protect our willies from power tools, mm. like they're there for a reason. Yeah. Clothes that were made to protect our titties from toasters. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know. I think that's important. 
Yeah, I think there's a balance. I think ev- even nudists need an apron. Yeah. <laughs> have you ever been to a nude beach? No. Okay. No, no, I haven't. I have. Cool. <laughs> but it was unintentional. I didn't know it was a nude beach. I was dressed. All oh, right, but um, I'm, I'm, I'm all for it. But now, now yeah, I mean, I've, I've, I used to do um, but, life modelling. Yes, I know you did. Yeah. Um, but like, like there are a couple. There are still some things in me that are, st- are mildly conservative, and one of them is full blown nakedity. <laughs> like, I don't think <laughs> I want. Like, are there are two people that are allowed to look at my vagina, mm. and that is my partner and my waxer. Do you know what I mean? And your doctor in time. And my doctor, occasionally. like In time. In time? You know, I feel like as you get older, doctors go... Oh, doctors looked at my vagina before. Yeah. Um, but, okay, three. Three yeah. people. Partner, waxer, doctor. Yeah. I don't know. I just don't really want other people looking at my vagina. Yeah, that's fair. I'm happy for people to show me their vaginas. Mm. Like, I don't give a shit if you want to get your vagina out. I'm not saying that we all need to fit, think like Mish does. Mm. But I like to keep my vagina to myself. Mm. But you know, why? I don't know. That's, but the yeah. other one is this. And this one I hate admitting. This one I hate admitting. But um, like many, many women my age. I you get, don't have to admit it. No, no, I'm happy Whatever to. Whatever you're about to admit, you don't No, have no, to I'm happy admit. to because yeah, the, as soon as I say it out loud, it becomes, you know, real. Um, like many women my age, I get my period. <gasps> oh. um, and I've yet to come around to the idea of moon cups. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. And it's not, and I, I get it. I understand why people want to use them. I understand it. And I wish I was like, yeah, great. I just don't know why I don't want them. That's fair. I like my tampies. It's all about personal preference. Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah, I know. But also moon cups are better for the environment. They're more like, yeah. you know, they're, they're friendlier on the bank account. Um, yeah. But there's just something about, let's just say, being in a public toilet and then coming out and having to wash your moon cup. Mm. I don't know what it is. If I was in a public toilet and someone next to me was washing their moon cup, I don't think I'd care. But I don't want people to see me washing my moon cup. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. That's kind of it. I just don't want people to look at my vagina and I don't want people to watch me wash my moon cup. Yeah, that's fair. Those are two sort of, um, whether they're right or wrong, normal, mm. you know. I Lots think of so. people have that opinion. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Hey, do you want to play an ad? Yeah, we'll play an ad and then after the ad, a big reveal. Ooh! Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Right. What's your reveal? We're back. Um, nothing. I lied. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought it I might- just got so excited. I was like, oh, my God, what is he going to tell us? I just thought it might be good to get some people listening to the ads. Oh, that's so good, Zach. 
<laughs> no, I feel bad. No, every time. I didn't think. We I have to think. do a cliffhanger before every ad so people stay on and listen oh, to Oh, but I, I didn't think it through, man. I, I feel bad. I feel, um, yeah, we'll make it a joke from now on. Yeah, great. That just came out of me. But that's in fine. future, we'll do it as a joke that we think through. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. Um, shall I read the blurb? Absolutely. Oh, I didn't even write the name of the episode. I've got to rewrite the top. What's it, what was it called? Episode 8, yeah? Yeah. Episode 8. All right. <laughs> so far, so good. This week, we watched episode 8 of The Power. Thanks. Thanks for your help there. No with the first line that no I worries, just wrote. At the convent, after a vid of Eve slash Ali goes viral, tension starts to rise amongst the girls. And then when they all watch the news seemingly for the first time and see Eve slash Ali's true identity, this leads to her having to make some pretty dark choices to protect herself. Meanwhile, Roxy turns 18 and gets a third of her dad's business in his will as a present. It's a good day for Roxy until a visit to her mum's old work starts her on her path to realising a big twist. Meanwhile, Muriel and Daddy Legs continue to struggle with their marriage and it goes down the exact path Mish didn't want it to. Mm. Finally, the morally grey aspects of the whole Eastern European dictator's wife thing gets way more grey. <laughs> It's fucking full on, but IMHO pretty sick. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. With the Tatiana story, the Romanian wife. Is she Romanian? They speak Romanian, but is she Romanian or is it like a made up place? I'm pretty sure it's Romanian. They oh. ask about Romania. Yeah. They do? Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. All right, Tatiana. Yeah. Um, when no, she, no, when just, she first graced our screen in episode two or three, I remember thinking, ooh, she's interesting. I know you did. But there was a part of me that was like, oh, God, am I going to invest in this one? Because mm. there's so many characters. It's like, okay, which one? Okay, do I invest? I'm glad I did because yeah. her story got fucked. Mm. Her story got proper fucked. Mm. And are we doing spoiler? We did a spoiler. We can say what happened. Yeah, we do spoilers for sure, yeah. All right, great. She killed her fucking husband. Yeah. She beat him to And the thing that was so... Fucking interesting yeah. is that she beat him to death yeah, she- with like a little like stone sculpture rather than just using her power to kill him. The choice not to use. The choice not to use the power. Oh, yum, mwah. yum, yum. Delicious. Mwah. I How- loved that oh, so much. I was just like, that is the fucking sick. That's sick. Gross and sick. And it's also really graphic. Like yeah. far, that's the about the target audience thing here because like that was some graphic violence. Yeah, um, it was just so powerful. And the fucking she's good. There's it's like she kills her husband, and then like obviously is okay with the fact that she killed him. Really, yeah. she was ready to do it. Cleans herself up in their fucking water feature that they have in their bedroom. I remember in John Wick episodes I talked about how no one should have a chair in their bedroom. No one should have a fucking water feature in their bedroom. She goes and cleans herself up in the water feature and then picks up the phone really calmly and casually. The person answers on the other end and she starts bawling her eyes out crying in this big act because she frames the killing on the fucking staff member that she's been so fucking horrible to over the last few episodes before killing her and making it look like they killed each other. Yeah. It's full on. Mental. It's so (sighs) interesting and we were talking, I I, I feel like we've covered the moral grey stuff about that character and the story and everything Mm. 
in the last podcast, but this just, it's not like I don't, it just escalated it so well. Yeah. It went- and the way that like I, she was really portrayed as a victim and then when she killed him, I felt good for her. Yeah. And then she kills her servant and it's like, like the way it makes you go up and down. It's oh. good television really plays that card well and that yeah. played it fucking well. You said it in a previous episode and it really like, I think you hit the nail on the head about the whole like people can be victims but they can also be the perpetrator and they can also like there's the grey area stuff. Yeah. And I think you just, if ever's listening, I'm assuming you listened to previous episodes. If this is your first episode, what the fuck? Yeah. Um, but you put it so well and that this was so exact on that. That you went with her. Like I was like so like, yes, yes. kill him. Yes. And then to flip it back around. And like you said, the killing him without the power was so cool. Oh, my God. Such a cool choice. Like, such, so cool. And as I saw her walking over and picking up this thing, I'm like, oh, my God, she's not going to. Because I was like, oh, I think she's going to kill him. I yeah. think she's going to kill him. He kicked her fucking dog. Yeah. He kicked her Pomeranian. How fuck. I was so mad. Yeah. I would have killed him. Um, but she went and got the little sculpture and just beat him. Just beat him to death. Which is really <sighs> profound, isn't it? Because it's like there's this implication with this power, like. I don't know that, oh, now that they've got the power, they can, and then there's something really cool about she kills him with something she could have killed him with mm. at any point. Well, yeah, they mentioned, I think, episode three or something, how um, these these women are developing this power as a protective instinct, yeah, as a way to protect them. And to me, this was just very much like, well, she could have done that without the power because she did. Like, yeah, but then she maybe, the, what the power, it was just really interesting because it was like, maybe she couldn't have then, you know, I had a moment. This is sort of slightly changing the topic. I had a moment after we recorded our last episode. It was the day after and I was going to text you. You know, when you have those realisations that are so stupid that you're like, oh, I'm so like, but I just was like, I just had this moment where I was like, I was sitting at home and I was like, Maybe the power of the title is not necessarily the electricity in their hands. Maybe this is a story about more than one kind of power. Yeah. It's... And I was just like, holy, holy shit. shit. And I was going to text you. <laughs> like, I would ju- like, I just felt like I was in year 11 and mm-hmm. I just like, I know the topic of my essay. Yeah. <laughs> But it's it's true though. Like it's this, like this. Yeah, this could be studied at high. It's got that many fucking layers. People could write essays on this shit. But I just loved that notion mm. of, and I love that. Like I think this show is at its best when it explores those ideas of like it's not just like mm. oh they have this power now so they can use it. It's like there are different kinds of power. Power, yeah. And this power just sort of comes in and like. But they're, they're talking about all the different things. Well, also, and it occurred to me watching this episode more so than any of the others, another form of power is the whole Tony Collette story. Yeah. And her, her like, mission to gain power as a senator and how, like, how destructive that kind of mission has been to all the things that are actually important mm. or should be important. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Which brings us into the saddest of all the stories, of all the things that have happened. Yes. Uh, Johnny Legs is upset and I don't like it. We don't like a sad Johnny Legs. I I am so upset. Yeah. Um, 
I am. I'm genuinely upset. I think that they did what we wanted them to do, which is they stayed in the truth of it. Mm -hmm. And I think that obviously it was incredibly well acted and well written. But John Leguizamo has asked for a divorce. (laughs) Uh, In the most, in the saddest, it was just so sad. And I, it was, I don't know. I just think that they just done this show so well that I was so invested yeah. in that couple and his char- like his, like his character. And I still am because it's, you know. I was curious to know your thoughts because that was one where I was it's, like, it's, I just genuinely wanted to hear your perspective on it's this, hard. this development. It's hard because I get it because I'm, I'm really, I get it. I'm angry at Tony Collette's character. Um, <laughs> because, uh, let me start again. I understand why Rob wants to divorce Margot. Yeah. I get it. I would have wanted to ages ago. In fact, I wouldn't have been as compliant as he's been. Um, I think it's really brought to light what it would be like dating a politician. Um, yeah. Or being in a relationship with a politician because just the whole like set up at her house when they're doing promotional videos and stuff like that of making sure the kids all say that they go camping every weekend and that they eat breakfast together every Saturday when it's all such bullshit anyway. And you see the hurt in him. And the part that really fucked me was when um, the person making the promotional videos goes to Tony Collette's character, well, do you speak Spanish? And he goes, no, no, she doesn't speak Spanish. Like every once in a while she'll rip out a word or whatever and then she speaks a few sentences of perfect Spanish that her assistant has given her to learn for the purposes of the video. Is that I missed the assistant giving it to her. Did they, they were mouthing it to each other. Like she was mouthing uh, it along. So Tony Collette's character had learnt a specific amount of Spanish that's tough. to win over the campaign. And John, it's just so he's such a good actor, is looking at her while she does this and he realizes and then responds to her in Spanish and she doesn't understand a word he's saying, but she just nods and smiles and he smiles and nods at her. Yeah. But it's that realisation that she never really took much of an interest in learning it until it would benefit her and her campaign. It's very, um, it's very, it's yeah, that's cool. Like I think it's just going to the complexity of it all. Just like he's a character that could have just been a prick. Yeah. He could have just been like a prick that didn't support his wife. mm and, uh, you know, there are, there is definitely a way you can read it that way. That's definitely in the text. But I think it's really interesting that it's it's more layered than that. Oh, absolutely. He loves her. You can tell that he loves her at the, and that he supports her. And But, but basically what's really sad is that um, she he goes, I'm essentially I'm not happy in this marriage. She goes, I need you. I really need you. I need you, especially for this campaign. And he goes, I know that. And they have a big kissy. And then he goes, I will be here for you for the entirety of this campaign. I will do what you need. I will stand by your side. But once you are elected, I want a divorce. And then he goes and lies down in a tent and she cries by the fire. And it's she's incredible. But it was just sad because I saw it coming. And mm. I was just like, this sucks. This fucking sucks. And the reason he did it is because she didn't tell him that she had the power. Yeah. And it's discovered that she does. And a really cool scene where... The sister goes to shock the brother, who's also a little cunt. Little cunt boy. Little cunt boy. Yeah, little cunt. Stupid little cunt boy yeah. who's going to ruin everything. Oh, fucking little cunt. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you watch these little cunts and you're just like, you're going to fucking ruin yeah, everything. Fucking little cunt. Yeah. Anyway, um, I'm, I'm feeling a bit conflicted. I feel sad. Do you know, I like the scene, I think it was in this episode where she talks to The her. divorce was in this episode, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wait, <laughs> <Play a few. laughs> 
um, where she talks to her daughter about why were you saying mean things about me on the internet. Mm, yep. And I thought it was really cool that that was a scene between her and the daughter, but it also talked to the divorce. Mm-hmm. It was like he's in a place where he's not really, he's not very communicative. He's not really telling her very well how he feels or where he's at because they're not talking. But then she goes and has a scene with her daughter where her daughter explains how hard it is. And I thought that was a really nice way to frame it. It's like this is what it's like being in a rela- being in the family of a politician. Mm. Thought that was really powerful. Very sad though. Very sad because they they really built them up as a couple that could have made it work. And I and I, you know, it's it is sad it to is. see a relationship, even a fake one, on the telly. Yeah, but it's just I I hate like I love I love cinema, I love film, I love television. But at the end of the day, I am a, I, there's a big fucking. Big whack of romantic in me that yeah. doesn't like to see things fall apart. I like happy endings. I like tied up little bows. I like answers. And I loved this couple so much yeah. at the start. And I saw it coming and it just upsets me and it makes me go, I wish that the story was different. However, it's done so well and truthfully that I can't be too mad at it. This, Fucking hate that little cunt, though. I'm blaming the son. The son, yeah. It is the, the little cunt son's fault. Yeah, he's such a little cunt. He's such a little cunt. I, um, I, sorry to talk about a different show, That's but, right. um, and I, I really won't give it away because I know you haven't seen it all or seen it yet, but, uh, season four of Succession. Never seen it. Is, uh, I believe it will be finished once this, once I've done, once the, when this episode comes out. Um, so I don't want to like, I'm, I'm giving that context to anyone listening, but they, there's a relationship in that. The one I talked about, Sarah Snook and Matthew McFadden's characters, um, play a couple. And it's one of those things where it made me really realize, and it's relevant to this as well. Why the reason I love like film and TV, um, over like other sort of art forms or other Mm -hmm. like things is the, how many people can add a layer like how many people can add a little layer to something? Yeah. Like there's in the the, the idea, particularly in TV, because then that can become an interplay between the writers and the actors. Mm-hmm. But the idea that an actor can choose to play it that they love someone, and the script, the script, you can write a script where two people are together just because it's convenient or just because it's good for their. Mm power or it's good for whatever and then an actor can choose to play it like they love them and even though that's not in the script by adding that layer it just makes it more complicated and more messy and more like life Mm -hmm. something i really love about tv and acting and that that, it just made me think of succession because there's a similar kind of stuff with relationships kind of on that um and we've talked about this movie multiple times now just in the last few episodes but moonstruck Right, uh, the episode, uh, the episode, Moonstruck being the Cher, Nicolas Cage movie, Olympia Dukakis, and what you believe to be this really great representation of like Italian family and mm, like, whatever. Mm, mm. There is a scene right at the end of that. This is. A Did you rewatch Moonstruck recently? No, <laughs> you're really on it. I fucking love that fucking movie, man. <laughs> I really do. Yeah, I love it. Um, too. I've uh, only seen it once on a plane. I need to. But, it, but it. I think you saying that it was such a good representation of family has made me want to rewatch it for yeah. that aspect. Cause I watch it for the romance. Cause I think that the love story is just so beautiful and bizarre, but um, there is a scene at the end of Moonstruck, big, big spoiler warning for Moonstruck. There you go. So if you wanted to watch that, stop listening now. Um, 
where at the end Olympia Dukakis's character says to her husband, do you love me? And they're just sitting around having breakfast. And he goes, yeah, of course, I love you. And then she goes, well, I'd like you to stop seeing her. And he stands up and he bangs the table and then sits back down and goes, okay. And then she goes, um, your life is not, like, your life is not shit. And Tiamo, right? Now, on script, that is a real basic set, yeah, of, yeah. set of lines. Do you love me? Yes, I'd like you to stop seeing her. Okay, your life isn't shit. But it's done. So the layers of that, you can see 50 years of yeah. relationship in them doing that. Yeah, yeah, It's yeah. fucking the most phenomenal, phenomenal, because, like, it's not, it's not Hollywood romance. It's not this big speech about what love is. It's just a very simple wife saying to her husband, this is how I feel, and him saying, I hear you. I love a couple of... Oh, so I, good. This is the last thing I'll say of Succession because I know you haven't seen it, mm. but I just wanted to say that for those listening that have watched it, I'm talking about the balcony scene in episode seven. Um, they'll know what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> but there's like, there's a scene, I'll just, I really won't do spoilers for this because mm. it's such a new show, but there's a scene, right, that is... Literally just two people talking mm. in season four of Succession, episode seven towards the end. It's just two people talking and it's just coverage. In terms of how it's filmed, there's a couple of interesting like focus pull, but it's just really just coverage of the two people talking on a balcony. And I, when I tell you it's like the best scene of television I've ever seen. Like it's in the top five scenes of television I've ever seen. I just was like, holy shit. Wow. I, went, I watched it again and it's literally just two people talking. And it's, I think what you said, the reason why I thought of it again and wanted to bring it up is when you talked about that moment in Moonstruck and, and it's like three lines, but it's so much more powerful because of the context of the story that's come before it. Mm -hmm. This is like a scene where... It's four seasons, four seasons of people not saying what they want to say and then there's this one scene where they say what they want to say and it mm. is just like, like it's so oh, good. Amazing. That's the, one of the best things you've ever seen in television? Yeah, and it's literally just – and I've hyped it now because you're going to have to watch four – and you will, You'll, but now you'll watch four seasons of television yeah. and you'll be like, it was pretty good. Like, <laughs> like, I'll be honest with you, best television you've ever seen, that sounds good, but have you ever seen Prison Break? <laughs> because I'm sorry, you can't make comment like that's the best bit of television I've ever seen. Yeah. If you didn't watch whether Sarah Tancredi left the key, that's all I'm going to say. Yeah, that's, that's all fair. I'm going to fucking Fish, say. That's fair. That's good fucking television. I'll tell right you there. what I did once. I watched 24. I got 24 on DVD mm. and I watched it all in one sitting. And because <laughs> of the ads, it goes for like 16 hours. Mm. And I didn't like adjust for that. I just watched it over 16 hours. And... um And I thought it would be amazing. I was like, imagine what, like watching the real time TV show in real time. Shit? I'll tell you what happened. 24 was clearly written without a plan because it was network TV mm -hmm. uh, and 24 hours is a really long time and you really feel it. When you're watching it in one sitting, um, there is a character that betrays Jack Bauer uh, at the end of- I've not seen 24. Right? No, it's, okay, you don't have to. <laughs> but there is a character that betrays him at the end of the season, right? It's this big twist. It was ruined for me because I Googled 24. I've talked about this on Instagram once. I Googled 24 back in the early days of the internet um, and then it got ruined for me by their website. <laughs> and um, But sh sh this character betrays him, right? 
which is was such a shock watching it weekly. And then in one sitting, I think the writers decided that they were going to betray Jack maybe one or two episodes before they do because they are so on his side. There are scenes where they're like doing stuff to help him when when it's just them. Mm. Like it's just them on their own. And it's like you could and you watch it and knowing that it's like why are you do, like no one's watching you. You cannot do that thing to help him. Yeah. You could not kill that person or like do that thing to help him because and it's so funny. It's so strange. Anyway, Network I don't know. Network television why I is that. strange. Back like yeah, it well, is. Well, it, it's it's also cuz like there was moments of like reaching for how brilliant TV would be come 2005, 2006, yeah. but the limitations, because mm-hmm. there is some great network TV. I'm getting well into it now with Star Trek and like I love um, you know, Twin Peaks mm-hmm. and, and X-Files I've done a bit of, but it's like it's, it's so funny sometimes. It's, it would have been the same with Prison Break. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. oh, we got to break out of another prison Well, now. no, yeah. <laughs> See, the thing with Prison Break is season one is so good. Yeah. And I really mean that. Like, honestly, when people ask me what's your favourite television show, it's often the first thing that pops into my mind. Yeah, great. Season one of Prison Break, the first time I watched it, incredible, yeah. right? And then the second season's like, okay, they've broken out and so the second season is trying to find them, which is good. It holds up. Season two holds up. But then the show did so well and they clearly didn't have a plan for after, but they signed for another two seasons. Like, well, just put them, put them back. Put them back in <laughs> put prison. Put them back in prison and we'll just do it again. So they just do that. It's mental, but, like, it's, it's good. I prefer, season one of Prison Break is still, to this day, some of the best television in terms of entertaining. Yeah. No one in it can act. <laughs> oh, no, that's not true. There's a couple. But, like, it's... Like, everyone's kind of hot. Yeah, I love the hotness. That's probably my favourite layer of network TV yeah. is how hot everyone is. Yeah, and, yeah. Like, hot first. Yeah. We'll get the hotties and yeah. then we'll get the best actor out of these hotties. Yeah, yeah. It's the same with Grey's Anatomy. They yeah. all just, like. They're all so hot. They're all hot. They all fuck. Like, it's just, like, incredible. <laughs> anyway, um, do you have any final thoughts on episode eight, mate? Oh, wow. Oh, wow, wow. That, that conversation zoomed along. Well, we can stop. No, no. I just, I didn't realise we were at final thoughts. We are. It's a, we've, we've been talking for an hour. Mm. Um, final thoughts. Let me think. Um, I've got a couple. Roxy probably should have, you know, thought that one through. A little bit. Like, definitely should have just, like, gone, could this be how what happened? <laughs> um, uh, oh, do you know what? Do you know what? I do have one thing. I think, and I would love to know, I think that the camping scene mm-hmm. was shot in a... Studio. Like in a studio. Yeah. Did you feel that? Uh, it felt very... Um, it looked like the set of a musical. <laughs> Like into the woods or something. Did you pick up on it in the first scene or was it the second? It was, it was when there was, it was him and Tony Collette sitting by the fire. It was the wide shot. Mm. The wide shot, because I didn't pick up on it the first time. And maybe it was a reshoot. I kind of want to go back because like I really didn't pick up on it on the first time. And maybe they added it in or something mm. because it, it really, and it was just that wide shot because it stopped, like the floor stops. And then it's trees, and I. That's so funny that you picked up on that. I just was like, "That's a that." It just looks a bit odd. 
I was yeah. like, and it, it took me a minute. I was like, why? Why does it feel? It looked like a man-made forest. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, it looked like a set. I think what it was was one of them, um, you know, the ones they do with the Star Wars. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, those. Because yeah, yeah. I think everyone thinks that's like the future of cinema. And I think it's going to be used a lot that right now we're in a period where they, they're like just a little too much. Yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> I was like, what? Yeah, no, 100%. I'm so glad you picked up on it because it was more of a question than a statement. Um, my final thought uh, so I still love this show. I'm still on board. But I mentioned last episode that I'm like some stuff really has to happen now. Like stuff really has to get going. And I will say I was satisfied that things happened. Yes. Right? The Tatiana thing kind of happened. The Roxy one is clearly about to kind of happen. And all the shit happening with Ali. However, there is still so much that has not been tied up. And I'm just getting kind of like, the feeling I have, la- I had last episode, I still have in this one. Does I've that accepted sense? that this isn't the end. Well, I've accepted that this isn't a limited series, which I really mm. thought it was, and yeah. I just wish I hadn't have gone into it thinking it was. Yeah, who knows? We may find out differently next week, but I really well, we know because we've watched both episodes. <laughs> <laughs> we watched two episodes. We're recording two episodes today. <laughs> Yeah, we, but we got to the end without admitting it, so I thought we may as well pretend. <laughs> but what? It feels like Roxy's story's wrapping up, you know? <laughs> um, but it was at this point that I started to go, okay, there's no way we are wrapping all of this up. I will say this, mm-hmm. um, and maybe I'm just being a big old negative Nancy, mm. right? But I, up until this episode, was fucking whipped on this show, was like I could watch fucking 20 episodes of this. I'm ready to watch other stuff now. Mm. Does that make sense? Mm. That's where this show is. To I'm not like holding my breath for the next one. I'm just like, oh, when the next one comes out, I'll watch it. Whereas up until this point, I was like, oh, my God, next episode, next episode, next episode. Mm. I am now, and maybe that's the power of the legs and it's what he's done for us, but we've gotten to almost the end of the series or the season, um, whatever it might be. And I'm ready to watch other stuff. I need a break from the power now. Mm. This kind of, this same vibe I'm getting from the last few episodes. I'm just I'm still enjoying it. I still love it, but I'm ready for some new shit. Love Tatiana's escalation. Oh, that was the best. That See, that to me was like a really good, like, that trajectory was great. Yeah. Whereas there are some that just feel like they're still going up. You know what I mean? And there's no coming down yet. There's no um, Where, where are we going? Where yeah. are we going with this? Yeah, for um, sure. Based on Leguistamos, mm-hmm. I'm going to go with a four and a half. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to go with four and a half yeah. as well. It doesn't get the full five. It didn't have, and that's not just because I'm a bit like, like, uh, like needing to move on from the show a tiny bit. Um, it was just it didn't have the same shock value. Oh, it didn't have I'm your fucking husband. Yeah, it didn't have that. There was none of that moment. That was sweet and it was interesting and it was sad. Yeah. But um, yeah, it wasn't like I'm your fucking husband. No. You know? No, it wasn't drunk swimming. It wasn't drunk swimming or I'm your fucking husband. Yeah. But hey, what a treat that we got those two things in a show ostensibly not about his character at all. Oh, my God. What a treat. Oh, my God. Hey, Mish, yeah, thank mate. you so much. Thank you. Um, you got anything to promote? No. <laughs> Fuck, that's sad, isn't it? No, you don't have um, anything to promote. No, I don't have anything to promote. Your Instagram. 
at Mish Wittrup. Here's something fun. I don't have anything to promote, but I have a very, very good feeling in the pit of my stomach that tells me that come the future, I'll have plenty to promote because I'm full of ideas and excitement to create new things. Great. Isn't that nice? I love that. Um, so, yeah, please uh, follow me on Instagram at Mishwitrup. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Anyway, whatever. You got anything to promote? Just the screenings. I'm doing New Nightmare. Where's Craven's <gasps> New Nightmare? I want to go to that so bad. But you're doing... Um... Another podcast. I'm going to ask him if I can reschedule. Oh, is that how much you want to see it? Oh, my God. It's going to be so good. I love New Nightmare so much. Yeah, it's really good. And you offered me a free tiki. <laughs> So I don't say no to free shit. Um, what should Tom take us away with? Um, the theme from Nightmare on Elm Street. All right, sure. Fuck Why it. not? Why not? But not that because it's um, just That's not royalty free. No, nothing's royalty free. Mm. Some creepy music. And can, can you do some creepy music? And over the top, Tom, can you explain why we can't use royalty free music? I mean, why we can't use music that costs us money? Right. Thanks, Tom. <laughs> Bye, everyone. Can I play copyrighted music in a podcast? All right. So the short answer is quite no. It's closer to don't. Sure. It's not impossible, but you'd need the permission of everyone who owns the music. Music rights are complicated. There are things called mechanical rights and performance rights. For starters, for example, let's say your pal writes a song, then her friend's band play and record the song, then they're signed by record label.